This episode of the Better Every Shift podcast is sponsored by The Fire Store. Learn more about getting the gear you need at prices you can afford by visiting thefirestore.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Better Every Shift podcast. My name is Aaron Zamzo. I'm a firefighter in Madison, Wisconsin, and your host, uh, along with editor-in-chief of Fire Rescue One, the captain uh, of really the show, and she's the one who holds this whole thing together, Janelle Fasquette. Janelle, how are you today? I'm doing fantastic. How are you, Aaron? I'm great. We get to actually, we get a, a the show today is, is a big treat because we get to talk to um, the IEFC's a volunteer fire chief of the year, and he's with us uh, today. It's Chief uh, from Greensburg Fire Volunteer Fire Department. Um, it's Chief Thomas Bell, and uh, we're gonna really dig into his, uh, I guess, you know, not not necessarily the award itself, but the process, and and a little bit about him and what he's doing with that department up there, and and um, and how he's really turned it around. So, Chief. As I'm talking about you, I just should just say welcome and thank you for being here. Well, thank you. I appreciate the offer, and uh, I'm glad to be here today. And um, I'm pleasure to talk about whatever you want to talk about today. No doubt. We'll dig right into it. But first, I got to mention that we got to get you a sign or something for your backdrop. So those that are just listening to the podcast, uh, I, I'm just going to describe like, and I think this is uh, something about why he's so successful. It's very plain, very basic in his background, and I'm I'm. I'm saying right now, I'm going to try to get you something for that trophy case that you need. You need a trophy case back there because this is a great accomplishment. Um, you know, again, we you're the IFC's volunteer fire chief of the year. You presented this at FRI. Uh, you've been an uh, integral member, intricate member of the uh, Greensburg Fire Department uh, for what, well over 30 years. And yeah. you've now been chief there for almost eight uh, you know, what was it like uh, when they when they told you that you were you were the chief uh, of the year, volunteer chief of the year? Well, um, very humbling, first of all. Um, it's there's a story behind it all and there's a story behind everything. Um, the, the biggest one when I was uh, we had our department banquet uh, back in May and I wound up in a um, in the hospital um, the day before the banquet. And um, so I was in the hospital and one of my chiefs came in to see me to make sure everything was okay. I was okay. It was a, they thought that I had a, had a bowel blockage and it wasn't a bowel blockage, bowel blockage, uh, but it didn't happen to be that. So anyways, um, so he came into me and he handed me an envelope and I was laying in the bed and just feeling kind of crappy and everything. And I opened this up and uh, it was actually the application process or the application that he had already forwarded to the IFC and uh, I'm just I sat there and my wife was sitting with me and I'm like wow I just I can't believe you know they would do something like this you know I was kind of like uh, blown away I was kind of like humbled and then I was like really PO'd about it because I thought you know why are you doing this you know I'm going to be the last person that would be thought about for an award like this from little dinky Greensburg to Berg of Green to pitcher scene, you know, worried about, you know, they're going to pick uh, Chief Tom Bell from Greensburg, you know. So, of course, after I got out of the hospital, and uh, they didn't even save me a piece of cake, by the way, just so you know that. Um, after I got out of the hospital, I, I called him up and I said, what are you doing? Hey, do you know what the chances are? Well, you deserve it. our mayor and the other, uh, our, my administrative person that we have here in the uh, fire department. And, you know, they all wrote letters and everything. And I, and I thanked them all and I said, well, don't get your hopes up. Uh, July, can't exact date, it was in July, get this phone call, I'm actually sitting right where I'm sitting now, the phone rings. Um, sometimes I can't get out of my building because it's a metal building, so I go outside into the parking lot and this gentleman comes on and says, hi Chief Bell, or is this Chief Thomas Bell of the Greensburg Volunteer Fire Department? Oh, yes it is, and at first I thought to myself, do I really want to answer this? Because usually <laughs> you'd say, is this the chief of the fire department? And I, yes, it is. Well, I want to tell you something. And I'm like, so anyways, I thought, okay, he wasn't really wound up or anything. So I said, yes, it is. He says, hi, I'm chief. Uh, I can't remember his name, of course. And uh, I'm from the IAFC. And I just wanted to call you to congratulate you. You've been chosen for the IAFC 
Volunteer Fire Chief of the Year. Long pause. I said, ah, come on, I'm not in the mood for this today. <laughs> and uh, I said, no, um, seriously, you know, you've been chosen by all the applicants that have been put in. Your applicant was the one that was chosen and everything. And then another long pause. And I, okay, but uh, I was just lost for words. So the, the biggest thing is after we talked and he says, I know I've go through this with all of them because it's a, it's an honor. And, you know, you think that, uh, okay, so it's a, it's a little award, but, and I really didn't know what I was getting into, um, after, okay. You know, and the, the first person I called, of course, my wife, after I hung up, you know, and I was, was a little emotional about it because it was something that I never, ever, ever in my life would have dreamed about that I would have got. And a lot of things that go through my mind, you know, I spent many years with uh, uh, the ex-chief, you know, that um, uh, retired. And, you know, there was always things that he was, always was. Never be humble about your things, you know, things. Always make sure that, you know, you do what you need to do. The awards don't mean anything. You're here to do a job. He was very just, he's a hard-nosed guy. I mean, it just didn't praise what he did. No, he didn't want any praise. And anybody would have done that to him like that. Oh, <laughs> he, he would have never taken like, get out of here. You submit something like that. I'll, you know, take it and stick it where the sun don't shine and all that. But um, it, all those thoughts go through my mind, went through my mind that day. And uh, it was just, it's just really an honor. And today, I mean, it's, I'm still just blown away by it. Well, it's the reason they gave it to you is because uh, honestly, you earned it. And, and just doing some background on you and talking to people that, um, you know, have have made contact with you. We we uh, listened to you know your speech at at um, at FRI. Uh, you know, some of your accomplishments are you know highlighted with uh, firefighter training, continuous improvement. Uh, you really got your your numbers and your in the involvement back in your uh, you know community and your and your crews. Um, you know, junior firefighter program, duty crews. Um, you know, for you when you look back at this journey, you know, g give us some insight. Where did this whole thing start? Where was it when you took over? How was the department? We as a department was just moving along. We were in that car that was held by, you know, crooked wheels and the squeaky bearings and everything that was going on. And believe me, we took, he took a department that was absolutely nothing and created many firsts in the area for the fire department. Rescues, dive team, bloodhounds. He done it all. He did more for the Greensburg Fire Department and the community of Greensburg than anybody, aware, more than I will ever accomplish in the short few years that I will have. You know, you're talking about a man that was a legend here that was 63 years as fire chief. 63. Wow. He was 94 when he retired. Okay. <laughs> and, you know, he was just amazing. And the best thing about it is he, he told us before, he said, look, as he got older, he said, I might not be able to leap over buildings anymore, but I can sure run through them. You know, <laughs> and that's just the way he was. You know, you may have heard in my speech out there that, you know, I talked about that he was a um, Marine. He was a drill sergeant in the Marines. And that's the way he did things here in, in our fire department, you know. But um, he, he just, just the way he was. But, you know, to sit there and think is, uh, I'll take you back to 2016 at the time. You know, our department was... Just like I said, just rolling along, you know, apropos for 10 years, we just kept doing the same thing. You know, we were trying things, but we weren't pushing things. You know, I would come up, you know, let's do a little bit of advertisement. So we'd try it one time. It wouldn't work. So we'd forget about it. Well, let's do a adopt a hydrant program. Well, you know, him and I went round and round about the adopt the hydrant program. We don't own the hydrant society. So I said, well, it's better to get the community involved. We don't need the community, you know. So there was ideas that were already you know, spin in my head at the time and uh, knowing, knowing that he was going to retire soon. But, you know, I said that when in 1986, the first yeah, time, right. don't worry about it. He'll be retired soon. You don't have to worry about it. That was in 86. And come 2015, he's still here as fire chief, you know, so it didn't happen back in 86. He was still there. But anyway, God love him. I mean, he was a great person. And for the last couple of years, I was so glad that I was basically in his back pocket all the time. You know, he'd pull me in the truck at fire and say, now listen to the, you know, et cetera, because 
couldn't get out of the truck and move around much but um so in our department and and i thought to myself you know right then and there i started thinking about it and then 2016 it was uh, an october day i pulled in front of my house and i got this phone call many phone calls i looked at the number and it was you know his name was john edward hutchison they called him hutch you know yep. so my phone i had hutch so when i'd see it i'd answer the phone and say yes Hutch, what do you need and then stern voices they listen to me i'm done you know you need to get your paperwork filed at city hall i'm finished that's it get your talk to donna take care of things bang that was it i'm like what did i just hear this right i couldn't believe it i sat in my car there for a little bit so then I called Donna, which was our city administrator secretary, where we have to, in the city of Greensburg, file paperwork if we want to become chief. We have to live in the city, own property in the city, you know, uh, of course, be a fireman in the city of Greensburg, of course. And uh, to, and I called her and she, she says, she was just like totally shocked. She says, oh, my God, Tommy, yes, I, I couldn't believe it either. And I was just blown away. So that's where it started. You know, within October, and we had the uh, council uh, meeting in November, and usually, you know, the um, term runs till December 31st, and then the new chief takes over January 1st. Nope. It was that council meeting when I got sworn in that he's done. He retired. They had a, sound off, a radio sign-off of him and everything, and that's where it all began. So at the same time as when he had told me this, the next, the very next day, I drummed up the second in command for me. Um, his name's Rick Hoyle. Uh, we call him C2. And then uh, my administrator, which I call C4. And um, the other one is C3. He's uh, in charge of our Red, Jet, Red X program. We got together and we started having meetings like almost immediately every day and started putting things together. I wanted to hit the ground running. You know, I said, look, this is what we're going to do. We're going to revamp things, you know. We're going to change the way we look at uh, fires. We're going to come up with a such um, We're going to come up with some people that are going to have. I want people to be in charge of different things. Safety. That was the number one thing that I swore that I was going to do is firefighter safety on the fire ground. We had too much freelancing going on. You know how it is in a fire mm -hmm. when you get somebody comes in from here, somebody comes in from here. And the other thing was to revamp our whole program because he was. Like, let's have the army. We want to bring as much and everything as possible. If we don't need them, we'll turn them around and go around. But when we got there, you know, you had seven, eight, 10, 12 companies bringing 10, 15 firefighters in, and you just look around and there's helmets everywhere. And you think, so how, accountability. There's no accountability. What are you going to do? Somebody goes behind the building, side of the building. So that was another thing was accountability. So that's where it all started. Uh, and um, when I took oath or when I took the oath of office, uh, that November, uh, the very next day, we started. We started going down and picked the – I actually had a crew picked already, and everybody's like, when did you have time to do this? I said, a lot of sleepless nights. Before yeah, that. right. <laughs> Since 1986, you've had this list going. Yeah, so it's 30 or 20-some years of, of, of it, you know. Well, that and, is quite a promotion, too, to get that phone call <laughs> in that way. <laughs> yeah, and the other thing was I hadn't been elected yet. And when he called me, I wasn't like, you know, we had to have an election, you know, when he announced that retirement. So I had to put my name in. And of course, I was the only one to put my name in. But, uh, you know, still I had to be elected by the members of the Greensburg Volunteer Fire Department. So it took a Saturday that voted right before the council meeting, which was Monday. So that's how it happened. Well, I think that's one of the really fascinating things about your story is, you know, you have someone who was in this position for so long is a legend How, what's your advice to other chiefs who might be a little bit nervous about taking over the reins for someone who's either been in a position a really long time or just has a stellar reputation and you're coming in like these are big shoes to fill um you know what's that what's that thought process like and what advice do you have for folks who are like okay i gotta take over the reins now and keep this buy-in from this group of of folks well, it's very simple. The thing of it, I, if, if I could tell anybody that would walk in my office today and say, I'm going to sit here and I'm taking over for, uh, we'll just say, uh, me looking at say I'm taking over for Ed Hutchison. The first thing I would tell anybody is do not try to pretend you are someone that you are not, okay? There will never be a man like John Edward Hutchison. 
he has done so much for this community. And if I had a nickel for every time that somebody said, how are you going to fill those shoes? I said, very easily. I'm not. I'm going to have a bigger size shoe, and it's going to have the Tom Bell print on it, not John Edward Hutchison. There's no way that I could ever fulfill his shoes, and I would never try. You can't sit here and mimic something that uh, somebody has done for 63 years. You know, there's so many things. There's things that I don't even know that he did. You know, I, I just know what I learned and what I've come across in my tenure with him. Um, there's just no one, no way that you can do that. And the biggest thing is just like I said, is he, you know, you create your own. And that's what I've done. I, I feel that now that, you know, I hit the ground running once I took over and uh, I had a lot of ideas. I mean, and I don't, that's no bull crap that I, many sleepless nights, you know, I've talked to my wife, she said, you look terrible. You know, I'm just thinking, <laughs> you know, I'm becoming fire chief. You know, you know what that means? That means I have a, a, a person of 300 here in the city of Greensburg uh, in the fire department. Not all, you know, come out for fires, but still, I got 300 members. That's what I got to think about. When I go to a fire scene, I have 60, 70 guys that I have to worry about and make sure that they're going to go home. You know, that's the big thing. And, um, you know, this funny story is we get to a um, one of our high-rise buildings here and the elevator's out. And um, they're having issues with the elevator. The owner doesn't want to replace, fix the elevator. So I go to the location with uh, our code officer and we're sitting there and we're talking to the superintendent and, um, you know, people are coming in and out of the building. And uh, first thing a lady stops me and looks straight at me and says, you're the fire chief, aren't you? I said, yes, I'm the fire chief. She said, you know, if Ed Hutchison was here, we'd have that elevator fixed. Oh, geez. I, said, I don't have his magical powers. I can't fix that elevator, but we're sure going to try. And well, I'm sure we're going to get something resolved. And we did. It took a little while, you know, Elevators are just not, you know, you go to Walmart, pick up an elevator and put it in, you know, yeah. there's, you know, talking hundreds of thousands of dollars to install a new elevator. So it takes a little bit of time. And they had one elevator operating, but, uh, but that was the thing is, you know, if you were at Hutchison, yeah, I know. At two years, honest to God, and I'm not lying, two years, I had to live under that umbrella of everybody telling me, we go to some of our meetings, some of our older members well, Eddie never did that. You know, why, why do you want to change that? Eddie didn't have that. You know, that worked so good for 50 years. It's not the way we used to do it. Oh, pull my hair out. Yep. Heard that two years until we finally just actually was able to say, okay, now we're starting to move along. You know, but uh, honestly, it took two years. But, uh, yeah, the advice is don't ever you know, try to mimic somebody that uh, has been in this job for a long time. Just create your own destiny. You know, do what you do. And uh, do what you think's best. And here I am. Great advice. Chief, when you first started, you know, what was the makeup? How many members did you have? And, uh, you know, uh, where were you eight, eight years ago and where are you today? What's your membership? How is your recruitment? Um, you know, you talked about accountability and, and you guys had a plan in place. You know, uh, where where were you then? Where are you now in, the, in, in, stand, in, in terms of? responses and 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 that accountability well where we were at in 2016 we were, we were just at a point where we were getting nothing i mean absolutely the big zero um one member here one member there in 15 you know here and there when we took over you know and the biggest thing was to try to promote and and i'm not gonna lie we had a grant which was a safer grant that we had got on board with um uh, our local township company that's right around us, Hempfield Township, they got a, like a $4.5 million uh, SAFER grant, which was the biggest ever handed out. And there was all their community things and everything. And um, that that helped us um, in recruiting some people. And we took in, I think it was like 22 members within those couple of uh, years, you know, 2016, 2017. We took in that many members, you know, brand new members that, you know, we offered uh, bunker suits. We got into, uh, you know, stipends and everything that uh, part of that grant. But um, we going out, our advertisement went from here to, you know, way up here where we were trying little things and it wasn't working. So we quit. But I told the guys that I put, uh, Rick Steele, our president, I said, look, we just got to get out there and we got to get moving. We got to keep things going. And he, and he was phenomenal in things. You know, we created signs. We put signs in every fire hall, um, banners. We have down at our Lynchfield area on the 
uh, fence posts, we've had this banner that says, come green, join the Greensburg Volunteer Fire Department. We were starting to get recognition. They were doing, we were doing things in the community to start getting us out there. And then I think what happened was the people that were starting to see us out in the community started seeing the signs and everything, just got a little curious and started, you know, I'd get a call. Hey, um, what do I got to do to join? Oh, well, it's easy. We're going to put this online. So we got uh, established a very nice website, WGFD. Uh, dot org on there and went to that or it's greensburg fire i'm sorry dot org uh got on there and said hey look just go to the website fill out an application and it just started happening you know gbgfire.com yes that's what it is gbgfire.com and i was just uh, one of my what think something i was going to kind of piggyback on it it's it's a a great website um and i think uh you know that's one of the things you're saying is we we kind of upgraded that a little bit made it easier for our members to join um, you know, and, and then talk about the fire bell, your, your newsletter a little bit too. <laughs> didn't want to cut you off there, but I, I, I see this and, uh, what a great way to, uh, really kind of build camaraderie and get communication out. Yeah. That was the other thing. And we encouraged every single fireman that if they wanted to put something in that, make sure they got it before the deadline. Our, my administrator, Lou Battistella, he writes that fire bell all by himself you know he does it all he gets all the information lou does a tie that's a whole nother uh podcast lou about to sell it believe me uh with my administrator he he is just my right arm i don't have him i'm not here there's no doubt about it. i could have never done what i've done without that man he is just he's a great friend there's no doubt about it you know i love him like my dad i mean there's no doubt about it he's a great friend and he's done so much but anyways that fire bell was something that um they tried a couple of times to do a membership letter out to everybody. To do. I can remember a cousin of mine, which is another one of my assistant chiefs. He used to come to the uh, officers meetings that he used to have and he'd write down some things that go on and would put out this little two page letter and everything. And we started out this one, you know, a couple of pages. I think, I don't know, some of them are like 56 pages long, the fire bell. If you look through that, it go on and on and on and on. And you're like, holy crap, you know. And there's a lot of information in there, and we try to. There's a lot of repeat things, but I try to give a message every uh, quarter, you know, from the chief. And um, but we just got that to more or less put out there what the Greensburg Fire Department is doing. We put it on Facebook, so you can pick up a copy of it from our website. People come and look at the website, look at that really information. And I think it's another tool that, you know, people look at that and say, oh, look what the Greensburg Fire Department does. You know, the, we have our cancer awareness shirts that we sell and we try to do and we give $2,000 to some of the um, other people out there because we go after grants, too. And I think those organizations like to see that, that we just don't take everybody's money and spend it and say, hey, you know, just keep give, give, give. We give a lot back to the community. There's no doubt about it. You know, just got a call today about our Halloween uh, parade. We're going to wind up doing probably hot dogs and stuff for the kids for the ha- Halloween parade and, all, you know, sponsored by the Greensburg Fire Department. But, um, yeah, that that uh, paper was something that I think that uh, gets out there and the general public can actually read and knows what's going on in the Greensburg Fire Department. It looks like it's not only for the for the public. It almost like it's, you're also informing your members on, on current issues, right? So there's things in there about – you know, you mentioned off off camera about, uh, you know, the cancer initiative you guys are are really pushing and, you know, get your gear clean. And here's the stations that need to do that. And and this is why. Um, and I think that's a twofold thing. And and I got to compliment you on that, because a lot of times, you know, we, we think, oh, well, this is a message for our community. This is a message for our members. But why don't why doesn't our community our community? We can let them in so they can understand the challenges that we're having. Right. And and. This this edition that I'm I'm looking at is like 30 pages, um, uh, but it's got great messages in it, and it's 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 something that you know, like I'm sure all your firefighters want to read because it's got up and coming stuff, and also for your community, um, you know. So th- the bell is all about communication, right? I mean, obviously right. it's your your last name too, so it's really kind of a fitting thing. That's where I thought it came from. But um, what other things did you implement to really improve the communication? Uh, again, that was the first thing. And the biggest thing was um, our chief, Ed, or Hutch, what I call him, um, used to have what they called a uh, officer's meeting. So uh, the, the, the first thing I thought, I, I want to make sure that 
One, I get a message across to everybody, and I want it in a timely fashion. I don't want to wait, you know, six months or wait till I see somebody in a fire scene. So what we did was I established what we called a department meeting, okay? So it's not for the officers. It's not for the chiefs. It's not for the neighbors. It's for every single person in the Greensburg Volunteer Fire Department. And the first day that I had the office, or I'm sorry, the department meeting, we keep calling it the officers meeting. (laughs) (laughs) Hard, hard, yeah, habits, right? Yeah, and it wasn't an officers meeting. It was the chief meeting. That's what it was because the chief would speak for a half an hour and then play a film. He called it a film, not a film, but a film. That's what we watched every time using water wisely. You know, the great uh, Chicago fire, things like that. But um, so that was the other source of communication. I wanted to have this meeting so everybody could come and talk. Now, I stand up there for about 20 minutes. I try to leave myself 20 minutes, maybe a half an hour. depends on what I have to say. And then we go around the room, and I have all the chiefs talk, and I have all the captains talk. And at the end, I ask everybody in the room, does there anyone else that would like to address the body with anything? I, I, I didn't care if you wanted to tell me how you bought a new dog or, you know, just to talk to people and saying, hey, I didn't like the way you uh, uh, hit the hydrant or we dress the hydrant anymore. Or, you know, why do we have to lay five inch? We are always used to lay three inch. You know, questions like that, things like that, so we can talk about it. And uh, I think that was a big, so we get close to probably 50, 60 guys at a meeting every month, you know, to that meeting. And that was huge. Before we used to get 10, 15 to the officers meeting. Now we're getting, you know, close to, sometimes we have 50, sometimes we have 40, sometimes we have 60. It all depends, but that's how we get the information out there in communications for our uh, department, other than the fire bell. I think that's great that that's how you, one of the avenues you took to improve communication. I'm sh- sure in that process, there's under underpinning everything is this idea of culture change, right? That seems to be a big theme and what we're talking about here. Right. Like, how did you prioritize what you wanted to change with the department and how did you communicate either, you know, outwardly or subconsciously that things are going to change now here? Well, like I said, when I first took over, you know, it was a lot of sleepless nights. And I said, I'm going to change this department if it kills me. And uh, sometimes I thought it was going or I was going to kill somebody. But uh, it, it, it was very tough. Believe me, it was very, very tough to change the that's not the way we used to do it. I mean, I got that so many times. It's just as bad as, you know, that, how am I going to feel Hutch's shoes, you know. But uh, trying to change that, that was probably the toughest toughest thing that i could do every time that i did something different there was resistance you know and you're always going to have resistance when you want to change because people are tough to change especially the i I don't like to say older people but the guys that have been around are the toughest to change the young guys were very easy they're very receptive on what I was doing, you know, uh, just sole purpose. When we get to a fire ground, you know, when uh, incident command, we had no incident command. We had chief command. That was Hutch. The car 100 command. That was it. No one else. He called the shots. He made the decisions. When it was time to vacate the building, it was him. He didn't want to hear it from anything else. And it worked. It worked very well. Don't don't get me wrong. It's not like something that I, I look at and say, oh, well, I wanted more involvement from the people that were out there. I can't do, I told everybody straight off the the first meeting, I can't do this on my own. I need you people to help. So that was a change, a huge change of actually letting other people have a little bit of responsibilities. When we pull on scene of fire, the first thing I do is take my chiefs and cover each section of the building. I got left, right, back, front, A, B, C, D. Everybody's covered. I got somebody that's in charge on the uh, ladder, tower, whatever we have up. Somebody that's on the ground discharge. I have somebody that's in and outside with a tick gun, see where the heat is, making sure. And when we make decisions, we make decisions. Not Chief Bell makes the decision. We make decisions. When we feel that it's time or we're looking at it and we are not making progress. I mean, when I look at it and say, hey, you know what? It's time because, first of all, when a fire is gets to the point or the building's to the point where it's gone too far, 
and you know that it's coming down anyways, why risk anymore? Pull everybody out, go into defensive operations, and you don't get anybody hurt. That was our biggest thing there. And after they started to see that basically I was making sure, being responsible, making sure that everyone goes home, um, the change started to happen. Things started to really progress. You know, everything that I was saying, you know, as far as um, bunker gear, uh, that was another thing is everybody wearing bunker. We were a department where it was okay to go into a burning building with a mask on, a fire jacket and a helmet and a pair of jeans or (laughs) car hearts. That was okay in the Greensburg Fire Department, honestly. Um, That was another change that we had to do. Uh, Strictly, hey, guys, no, we can't do that. Go into a car fire. In, a t- in this shirt, a, t- a ball cap, and a hose line going right up on a fully involved car, and you're trying to douse it out, you know. That was okay in the Greensburg Fire Department. That was another huge change we had to do. And, it, it, you know, it, it was tough to get everybody to come off the truck. Well, what my idea was, prepare to go to work all the time. And, you know, I pushed that and pushed that, and I could tell you a little little story real quick. You know, making the change and everything, I made a boo-boo. Um, it was late at night, 11 o'clock. We got a call for an automatic fire alarm in one of our high-rise buildings. So I mosey on up to the high-rise building. We've been there 100 times. We've been there with a little, some lady on the 11th floor, you know, smoking a cigarette because uh, she wanted to step outside of her uh, apartment. She didn't want to make her apartment sh- smokes in the hallway. Anyways, so I get there. First one there by myself. Nobody's at the door. I'm thinking, oh, it's routine false alarm. I go in, hit the button, go up, get the elevator key, go in the elevator, turn the elevator key, go up. You know, I'm fully decked out, helmet, gloves, everything. No SCBA. Going up, get to the floor. It stops. Hold the key, press the button. The door opens, door opens. Smoke almost to the top of the, uh, or I'm sorry, the smoke just banked down about the middle center of the floor. And I'm like, oh, crap. Now what do I do? Thought goes through my head, somebody's got to be on this floor. I step out of the elevator, take the key with me. Goodbye, elevator. Nine floors. I go in. The whole hallway starts. Now, there's a lobby with a fire door. The fire door's closed. So I go that way, open the fire door. It's already to the floor. So I could see the light and I could see some people. And then from the other end, somebody comes in the doorway. It's the maintenance guy. So I get down to the end of the hall where the smoke is a little less, now knowing that the fire is behind me. Him and I go back and he goes to the door. I said, fill that door before, <laughs> before you touch it. Don't turn that door. He just opens the door and everything just pushes. We get pushed back into the wall there. And I said, close the door, close the door, close the door. You know, so he shuts the door and we had a good apartment fire going. So I sent him to get the people, the rest of the people, out of the hallway while I went back and got the um, uh, hose line from the hose cabinet, got it stretched out to the door, went back, fired up the, um, turned the valve onto the hose, got the water there. By this time, two firemen come up nine floors, fully decked out, masks on and everything, and we open the door, go in, they douse the fire, there's a gentleman laying at the base of the chair where the fire was and everything, they pull him out. Save his life, survives, and everything. The next meeting we had, I stood in front of everybody, and I said, gentlemen, just want to let you know, I screwed up. I tell you guys to every day, prepare to go to work. I wasn't prepared to go to work. I almost got two people killed. So that's some of the change, and that was the one thing that I swore to God that I would never do, is let something happen to somebody like that. And we just get complacent. And complacency got me. And I, I admit that to everybody and I admit it to my whole team and uh, and just said, guys, I screwed up. And I did. And it could have cost somebody their lives, not only mine, but, you know, the two people that were there, the guy, the victim inside and the uh, maintenance guy. So we live in but, uh, our change. That's that's how things uh, started to change and things started to roll a little bit better. We live and we learn. The Fire Store, equipping protectors with passion. Every decision we make as a company is about you, our customer. We wouldn't be where we are today without you, and we don't take that lightly. We understand that having the right gear can mean the difference between life and death. Our goal is to get you the gear you need, when you need it, at prices you can afford. 
Visit us at thefirestore.com for everything but the truck. And shop our family of brands, including Streamlight, MSA, Lion, Fleer, and more. Now let's get back to the show. You're leading by example, though, which I think is the, the key there. You're showing your members that it's okay to admit mistakes, to talk about review. It's okay. I mean, one of the things that we talked about at FRI was improved and honest after action reviews. That's a huge piece of this, you know, talking about all the cultural change. You've got safety, which you mentioned before, health, uh, incident command, after action reviews. I'm just curious, did you prioritize them or did you just try and chip away at all of them a little bit at a time? Yeah, I have I have another chief. Um, I keep mentioning about these chiefs. I have nine of them, actually. Um, but uh, another chief was his biggest thing was always preaching to me about these core values to try to change things. And he said to me, he said, look, we have to take one step at a time. You know, a little bit here, a little bit there. Take a little ch- little piece of cheese over here, a little piece of cheese over here, and, and just keep doing what you can do, you know. And that's what we did, you know. The first step I wanted was, you know, get some control on the fire ground because that's where the safety starts. You know, with making positioning ladders and things and getting a routine where we didn't have a routine. It was, you know... Red, white, uh, wet stuff on the red stuff, hurry up, get it in there, go, 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 go. One guy was making the decisions for everybody. And then you get the, you know, the, the, the couple in the back saying, hey, let's do this. Uh, let's open a window here. And, you know, what we happen, we start opening windows everywhere, creating pathways, and sometimes you lose a building doing stuff like that. So uh, basically we want to make sure that, you know, we have control of that. So that's what was the biggest, the, the biggest, I want to say is the first thing was fire ground safety and control of the fire ground operations. And then, you know, making sure that we have some type of leadership, you know, whether it be my leading it, you know, my, one of the assistant chiefs, but uh, that was the biggest thing is basically have an incident command where we had some type of leadership. So we don't get people hurt. And I'm telling you for the last, you know, as my tenure, we've been really good. It just keeps improving year or day after day and, um, you know, prioritizing things. Uh, we just kept chipping away, chipping away, chipping away. Everything that you mentioned, we took it a little bit at a time, you know. And the other thing was my goal in my mind was um, uh, taking care of our bunker equipment. You know, you know, and well, I know, it don't get any cheaper. That stuff mm-hmm. does not, it just keeps going, escalating, waiting in a year now from some manufacturers to get some. And what was nice about uh, we were getting grants and I was buying, um, trying to get uh, suits for two suits per man. And uh, we've accomplished that now. Um, the biggest thing was another one was the laundering program. You know, that was another feat. You know, me and one of the guys on one of our boards really had a argument about it um, from the get go, because he was one of those ones, of course, that it's not the way we did things. You know, I wanted to do something where in a fireman and anybody is to have somebody go back to the station and say, tear your equipment apart, sit there for two hours, wash it, get it dried, hang it up, do it and put it back together. Ain't never going to happen. Ain't going to happen. You can tell them, wash your gear. Not going to do it. We need somebody to do it for them. So what we did was I went to the local laundromat here in the city and I asked the person, I said, would you be interested? We'll buy the uh, extractor. We'll buy the, Machines, everything, will supply the soap and all that. Well, it turns around after probably a month of negotiating, him and I going back and forth, I was able to buy the machines. He furnished the water, soap, everything, as long as he was permitted to use the machines for some of the uh, other stuff that he did because they were, they were self-cleaning machines. It wasn't like stuff that were sitting there. So he was using it for somebody that worked on uh, – Oh, uh, what do I want to say? Like oil fields or something like that. He had a, uh, a contract with somebody to wash these suits, and they were a little bit heavier than the regular his washers would do. So, and the biggest thing he told me, he said, these machines have to be used. They just can't sit around. You know, the more you use them, the longer they'll last. So that's what he was doing, and it worked perfectly. And it was nice to go back to the meeting and basically stick my tongue out to the guy and say, "See, I got it. You said I didn't care. I do care. Now we got this." He apologized for what we, you know, we made ends, but there was that time that we didn't talk for until after this came about. And he really understood that I was just trying to change things, you know, and uh, he got on board. Bringing us all back together, you had, you had, you've done a lot of programs. I mean, everything from, you know, the cancer prevention, just getting 
men, uh, your, your, your men and women, your, your members in PPE, um, you know, you're talking about command staff, getting everybody on the same page. I know that our listeners, some of them are, are nodding their head and going, gosh, you know, I, yep, that sounds like me. Um, you know, whether they're a chief or, you know, you did this probably as a, a firefighter, you saw a lot of these things coming up through the ranks. You know, what would you tell that person that's still that, that has that, that initiative to make change, but maybe isn't up to that point yet. Um, uh, you know, what would you tell that person? Then what, what advice do you have for that new chief? That's now, now you're here. Now it's time to put, put that, uh, you know, that, uh, you know, that to action. Right. The biggest thing is that I learned from the get go is getting the right people surrounding you. You know, that's what you need in order to get things to move. You need a backing. And that backing is really good people. And, and I have older firemen, I have young firemen, you know, a, a mix of it because I want that person or persons that's been here a while, you know, longer me, I have guys that probably have 50 plus years that are on my staff. So they know they've been here and they wanted to see what the transition, because the first thing about my transition here is everybody was waiting to see if I failed, you know, that was the elf <laughs> after Hutch leaves. We'll see what happens. This guy going to come in. He thinks he's going to change the world. He ain't going to do shit. And that's what's good. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say that. But he's not going to do anything. And uh, he's not going to change anything. You know, we're going to be the way we were. It's not going to happen. Well, I surprised everybody. It did happen. But to tell somebody that where my position was is, you know, keep trying. Don't 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 give up. I mean, it, it you're going to fight. And there's a lot of times that I got heated battles. We've had our first probably four months in we have a board of control and we have a relief association for those four first four months all we did was argue because we wanted to take things and get to and it cost money to make change of course and we wanted to do it and they didn't want to hear about it it was just all about oh you just want to spend money you just want to spend money. no we don't want to just spend it. we want to make a change we want to make things better for the greensburg fire department and that was that was a tough thing to do. And that's, you know, telling people is you just got to surround yourself with the right people. Once you do that and you get the right people in position, you can accomplish anything. I, I, that's what I strongly feel. You can accomplish anything as long as you have the right people and the right thing. Yeah, you're going to piss a lot of people off. And there was I mean, there was people like I told you with the uh, buying the washer. That was the hardest thing is and, and I didn't want to some of these people I've known since I was a kid. I've looked up to them and now I'm in charge. You know, I'm the guy that uh, you know, the little kid running around the fire hall, you know, washing the fire truck and stuff. And these guys are firemen, you know, hey, you know. And then now I'm telling them, hey, look, I'm the chief here. You're not, you know, it's, it was kind of weird. It's kind of weird when you do that. But, um, but you do that, you're doing that in a humble manner. I mean, I think it sounds like one of the, the when you admitted your fault, right? We, uh, do you, you know, we, let's go back to that point a little bit. When you were there, you're like, hey, guys, I messed this up. This isn't I, I preached this and I didn't do it. Do, do you think that was kind of a turning point, too, when when you're like, hey, people are starting to rally behind you. Like you talked about having your team, but then you have to, you got to get buy-in from the rest of the organization. Right. Right. Yeah. And that was a lot. And by early on, I think everybody started to see that, um, you know, I wasn't doing it for Tom Bell. I wasn't doing it to make a name for myself. I was doing it to better the department. And I still that today. And I tell everybody, you know, with the award and everything too, is the same thing. It's not about Tom Bell. You know, I did these things, but you know what? And I expressed that. I couldn't have done this if they wouldn't have accepted it. You know, this change in this department is not only just Tom Bell. It's the membership taking and accepting what I was doing. Because if they don't accept it, they could have turned against me and told me to go pound salt and we could have fell apart and been, I'd have been on my head, you know. But different. I don't know. Maybe it's my charm, my good looks. I don't know. <laughs> it, it just, you know, everybody per se. So I think they were they were craving a change. That's the biggest thing. I think everybody was looking at, but they didn't know who was going to pull the triggers and actually do it. You know, I, I, like I said, you know, before there was a lot of people that were waiting to see if I fell off flat on my face, you know, but it didn't, I, I swore I wasn't going to, and you can talk to my wife. My wife is the number one person in my life that been through all this crap with me with the fire department i changed jobs twice i was a golf course superintendent for 20 years i came on to the public works uh 
thing when I was at the golf course, when I was an hourly employee, I went to the public works for five, six years, and then went back, became the golf course superintendent. And my wife has been with me ever since in every step of the way. She's, she's the one that's behind all of this, believe me, because I couldn't have really put all the effort that I had and been able to do what I do without, you know, the backing of her. She's, she sit and listen to me at night, you know, moan and complain and, you know, sit and cried on her shoulder about things that I couldn't do this. And I don't know how I'm going to change this. I was scared as hell when I took over as fire chief, because, you know, you go from every day, just worrying about your family and everything to worrying about now 250, 300 family members. You know, it was a scary thing, you know, but yeah. um, it, it's worked out well and everything's worked out pretty good. And, uh, but again, going back to what your question you asked me, if I told anybody is just keep going and do it. Don't be afraid to make change. You know, it's going to be fought a little bit. Surround yourself with the right people and keep pushing forward because eventually, as long as you are the type of person that can keep going and going and going, you know, and have the support, you'll make the changes and you'll, you'll succeed. There's that about it. I feel strongly if you do what you set your mind to, you will succeed. Well, Chief, one of the changes I want to ask you about that you implemented was the duty cruise. Can oh, yeah. you tell us a little bit about that program and how members responded? Okay. Well, it all coincides with the OIC. We first started out as duty chief. There's two programs we initiated. Duty chief was somebody mentioned to me, well, you ought to get somebody to be on shift at night so you don't have to do everything. And I said, well, that's a great idea. So I came up with, we're going to do a duty chief swing night. And uh, first we started out as a week at a time. One person, 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. every day. Okay. One week at a time. Then the next time it would be the second one. So we'd go C1, which is my call number, C2, C3, C4, up to C9. So there's nine weeks that would be taken care of. Well, one of my chiefs says to me, you know what, that's too long. You know, Christ, I don't want to have to take a week. How about if we just do every night? We change it up. So, well, if we do that, we're going to have to initiate some more. And I thought to myself, thinking about it, okay, well, you know what? This is a good way to get some of the captains involved and start to give them a little bit of responsibility. So what we did was every night we have somebody on duty. 6 p.m., you'll hear on our radio, uh, C1, the dispatch, uh, I'll have the overnight, uh, what's on the board. You know, And they'll tell them whether there's water breaks or whether there's trucks out of service or where somebody's out on a detail or something. Okay. Uh, have a good night, blah, blah, blah. And then from 6 PM to 6 AM, they are to respond to anything in the, in the city. Now, when we have the out of town calls and stuff, the upper guys, other guys step up and go with the engines that go out of town because we do service a lot of out of town, you know, assists in Hetfield township. You know, there might be two companies that go out of town and then if there's a working fire out of town, a few of us get together, we talk to each other on the telephone and say, you know, making sure we have standbys, making sure people are awake. So if something happens in the city, because we're a couple companies short, so we know that uh, things go down, we'll have the availability of the people and everything. Then we thought, well, what if we initiate a crew at night? Uh, let's try maybe just a weekend shift. So we did that. I put it out there and everybody was, yeah, yeah, well, let's see. Well, okay. So when I initiated was a driver and a mask man okay they had to have a driver and a mask man you know just started out that's it so i thought to myself well driver mask man hopefully we'll get more you know you know somebody says hey i'm going to stay at the fire hall tonight maybe there might be four or five guys and boy i hit it right on the head the other thing was the kids you know the kids they go from friday night and saturday night we have a company on friday night we have a company on saturday night so the kids, they go, you go to one of the fire halls, there might be 10, 15 people there. Somebody from the other companies, they come over, they have a cookout. You know, they'll get together, they're there, or they'll watch a movie. Uh, they play cornhole in the parking lot or in the bay. They pull the trucks out. They pay. I'll go over there, and there'll be like, you know, four, five, six firemen. And that was the key, getting the guys to hang out there. You know, they stay there. They, they, they don't sleep. They hang out at the fire hall at night, playing around, watching movies, goofing off, you know, just having a good time like we did when we were growing up as junior firemen, you know because back then there was four or five guys standing at fire hall all the time and the the key was getting those kids they love it you know because now every time the alarm they get on the truck they go for you know to the alarm they were loving it so that was i was killing two birds with one stone i was getting the guys involved and yet 
keeping the juniors involved because they know every weekend now that you go to the fire hall, hang out, whatever, you know, and two birds with one stone. So I, I was, it was a great thing. And I was offering a stipend, giving them their food, uh, clothing, wear shirts, things like that. And it was good enough. And I was starting to attract the older guys back. Uh, my brother, um, he's, you know, I'm a 60 years old and uh, he was a driver forever. That's how, uh, when I was at the fire hall, he was our driver and, uh, and got him back to driving again, you know, and now he loves it. You know, he's waiting for a bunker suit. We got him a bunker suit and you know, he's got a helmet. He's just, he's just enjoying life now. And then that person comes back and then another company, I got this other older gentleman back and, you know, that's the key was it started to work. It started to click. So every Friday and Saturday, you can find one of our companies are manned Fridays and Saturdays, trying to push it out during the week. It's a little tough. Um, but I'm still open for it. We're still going to try it sooner or later. Um, and it works because just a real quick one. We had a fire behind one of the fire halls up in the seventh district. Um, Mel trapped inside the building. Uh, one of our firemen came upon this fire and our first two engines, because one was on the duty and another one just was there because they knew that somebody else was the fire. Both engines arrived within three minutes of the alarm, saved the guy's life. Pulled them out, got it, so it worked. So mm -hmm. that's the one thing I can chalk up and say it actually worked, having them on duty crew. That's a great recruitment tool, too, right? Anybody interested in the fire department, hey, we just stop by on Friday night or Saturday. You know, uh, we'll introduce you to some of the, the members. And, um, you know, it, it, so it's really killing, you know, three three with one, uh, right? It's a, it, it's a three for there with, you know, bringing the older members back in, integrating with new your response time's better, uh, camaraderie better, and you got a recruitment tool. Um, you know, with that, Chief, what's next for um, for the fire department? What's on next on your your agenda, and uh, what's next uh, kind of project you're really you're really passionate about? Um, our our biggest thing is, you know, we've we've topped on our bunker suits and you know personnel and decon and everything. I think now what we're trying to do is um, our uh, equipment wise, you know, SCBAs, gloves, helmets, things like that. Um, the S or the, the uh, trucks themselves, we've really not hit on like cleaning the interiors of the trucks and how we can maneuver that. We did get the air uh, purifiers in the trucks. There's uh, they run all the time. You know, that's when COVID they came out with these and we put them in our trucks and stuff. But now I want to start to concentrate on equipment. We bought solo washers. Each one of our stations by the end of this year will each have a solo washer. That's one of those ones that uh, actually look like a big dishwasher that you'll now be able to clean all the uh, masks and stuff. And we just got a grant that we were able to buy three more. We had the first three in our stations that uh, were in the United States. And now we have, we're going to have six of them within uh, our stations by the end of the year. So that's the next uh, thing that I hope by the end of this year, beginning of next year, we'll have a really good plan in place and uh, added to our SOGs that uh, state that this is how we'll do it. We'll keep our equipment clean and just keep moving forward with uh, making sure these guys are safe. And my motto is that everyone goes home. Mm -hmm. And yep. And everyone goes home healthy, right? Yeah. That's the cancer initiative is, is, yeah. uh, you know, taking it that step further and taking that prevention. Uh, excellent stuff, chief. Um, I think now, hopefully after people listen, they understand why uh, you are deserving of that award, um, but you're not done yet. We still got a couple questions for you. We do what's called a hot seat where uh, we just ask a little bit more about you, dig into you know what you like, maybe what you don't like, some um, funny stories, get a little bit more out of you. These are just quick uh, hitters. Um, no need to be nervous, which I don't think we could get you nervous, uh, but these are some that Janelle and I go, hey, let's ask them this one or you know, our moms, uh, my mom uh, likes to ask some questions. Well, ask one of your guests this. And our some of our guests are like, hey, make sure you ask your next guest this. So Janelle's going to lead them off. We got them for you here. Okay. All right, Chief. Football's back. Eagles or Steelers? Or as my husband calls them, Stillers. Well, the bad part about it is I don't care for either. But if I was going to pick one, Steelers, no doubt. What's your team? Team as far as football? Yeah. None. I don't watch, I'm not interested in football, don't interest me at all. I know it's kind of weird, but yeah, I'm not, a, I'm not a sports fanatic. Golf now, there you go. That's better. okay. All right. Okay. All right. Yeah. Let's go with that. Favorite golfer. Favorite golfer? Yeah. Tiger Woods. I know. I <laughs> oh yeah. But 
Tiger Woods made what the golf world is today. There is no doubt about it. There'll never be another. There will never be another Hutch. There'll never be another Woods. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> I forgot. That's right. Golf course superintendent. Uh, were you Were you ever asked to kill golfers? No, skunks and groundhogs. We don't have gophers, but groundhogs was a problem because they dig so many holes, the tractors would, would wind up breaking things and everything. So we'd have to do a little bit of groundhog hunting, but skunks were another one. They would go after the um, uh, grubs at night on the golf course, would rip them up. They'd tear up the turf and they'd lay it back. And then I'd have to send guys to lay it all back down, tamp it down the next day. Then they'd come back the night and then tear it back up like a carpet. Oh and so I, because the grubs would eat the roots and just let the grass lay there. You could pick it up like a piece of carpeting. So that oh. was the two that we'd go after. See, we're educating not only about the fire service, a little bit about the golf, uh, <laughs> you know, golf yeah. service as well. Uh, so going back to a hot seat question here, uh, what was the biggest prank that was, pl uh, that, that they kind of played on you when you were a junior firefighter? <laughs> uh, you know what? Some reason I knew you were going to ask something. <laughs> so, I grew up in the Ludwig section of town at the number six fire hall. Across the street, we had a heliport, okay, where there was a uh, Air Rescue East helicopter, medical helicopter. So the guy said to me one night, they said, hey, guys, you know what? We ran out of prop wash. Can you run over to the heliport and ask them to get you a couple of gallon of prop wash and bring it back? Okay, didn't know it. Walk in, knock on the door. Hey, how's it going? Hey, I'm Tom Bell. I over at the firehouse. We're doing some washing of the truck and stuff, and we need some couple of gallons of prop wash. They started laughing, laughing. I'm thinking to myself, what? What's so funny? And he said, Do you know what a prop is? And I'm like, No. I said, It's that on the helicopter. That's what they. You've been pranked. I'm like, Goodness. So I went back empty-handed, no prop wash. No prop almost, wash. That's almost asking for turn signal fluid, too. Yeah. Blinker fluid, we like to call it up here. <laughs> yep, yep. Prop wash. All right, Chief. Uh, when you're driving around, what's rocking in your car? Do you have a favorite song or musician? Yeah. You know, I really like. I really enjoyed Guns N' Roses. Uh, and there oh, was, yeah. I, I was a Guns N' Roses fan. I've... I, 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 you know, Illusion 1, Illusion 2, waited for that, waited, waited, waited till it came out. Remember that they were just clowning around where they wouldn't get the Illusion 1, Illusion 2 out. I waited forever, and when it came out, I was so excited to get that two-disc CD kit. Mm -hmm. You know, it's perfect. But, yeah, you'll hear Guns N' Roses and any hard rock. Zeppelin, Ted Nugent. Ted Nugent was awesome. You know, I'm the old school. I like a little bit of Chicago, too, and stuff. But uh, GNR, all the way. Oh, that surprised I me it. a little bit. I, I think people are going to, they're going to, uh, the ratings went up a little bit with that. That's good. <laughs> That's good. And now that we got, now that we got their attention, one final question, and this one's more, a, a little bit more personal. What are you doing personally to uh, get better every shift? What do I do? I actually, I work out every day at the, um, our gym. We have our own uh, gym here at the, it's called the aerobic center. Um, again, Hutch started that way back in the day and i try to do initiative for all my guys that we do a biking program i love to spin um i spin every wednesday at the gym you know for an hour um i just try to keep myself in shape um see my cardiologist every year i get a physical um that's another initiative we do our health fairs coming up here shortly where all the firemen get their blood drawn and do a uh, flu shots and all that stuff but uh just try to keep myself so uh, i'm around i i really want to keep uh, with my wife i'm going to spend many years with her and i want to spend many years keep and go like uh my second in command he's going to be 70 years old and he looks like he's 25 years old uh, that's what i want to be you know when i'm getting 70 years old i still want to look as good as i do now so chief perfect uh kind of ending to this about getting better working on your fitness uh you know recapping some of the things you said you know don't be afraid to make change have a great support network, communicate, be yourself. Don't be afraid to make mistakes. All excellent stuff. Congratulations on the award. Very deserving um, of that. And, and we look forward to, uh, you know, many more things uh, from you and your department, not to put the pressure on you or anything, but uh, I, I have no doubt that that will continue to happen. Um, for those of you that uh, have listened to this podcast, you can also watch it on the FR1 YouTube channel. 
You can email us with any questions and or feedback at better every shift at fire onecom Please rate and review the show. Uh, again, per chief Thomas Bell, be yourself, communicate. Don't be afraid to make change. But most importantly, learn something, do something and share something to make you and those around you better every shift. Thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs>